Chances are you've heard the story in today's gospel before. Think about every time you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. Every Sunday school class or vacation Bible school. We even refer to someone as a Good Samaritan if we witness them helping someone in trouble. And the go-to lesson from this story is, don't be like the robbers who stripped, beat, robbed, and left that man for dead. And don't be like the Levite or the priest who both saw the man in trouble pass by on the other side. And don't be like the lawyer who didn't really want to know who his neighbor really was. Be like the Samaritan who helped the poor soul in the ditch. But I think there's a little bit more to this story. And I hope we can find it. We can pretty easily see ourselves in most of these roles depending on our immediate situation. In an Australian icon rendering of this parable, the robbers are depicted as actual demons with pointy tails, sharp teeth, clutching hands, wielding cudgels and sticks. For a long time now, we've watched as seemingly inhuman, maybe even demonic things are done under the authority of government entities in other countries, and in our own. Genocide, racism, injustice, poverty, discrimination. But demons aren't always out there. So many people are robbed, beaten, stripped, and left for dead by their own personal demons. Addiction, alcoholism, depression, mental illness, loneliness. They find themselves in the ditch, alone and dying. And after long exposure to these societal demons, it's easy for us to react like the priest or the Levite and just pass by on the other side or simply look away. This road is too dangerous, I better keep moving. We've watched for so long that we become inured or indifferent or acquiescent to the violence being done to whole groups of people or just to single individuals. In his book, Exclusion and Embrace, Miroslav Volf writes, Indifference can be more deadly than hate. Cold indifference can be sustained over time, especially in contemporary societies, a system, political, economic, 
cultural, insinuates itself between me and the other. It is the system doing the excluding, a system in which I participate because I must survive and against which I do not rebel because it cannot be changed. The systemic problems we see are beyond our power to correct, and the personal problems, well, they're just too scary to touch. And so we continue on our way, safe and secure, and well-adjusted, until we aren't safe and secure and well-adjusted, I mean, until we find ourselves as the one in the ditch, the one not defined by a profession or a class or a religious belief, the one with no identity except a need. You may have already found yourself in such a situation, or maybe not. It may not happen to you today or tomorrow, but it will happen. Maybe in a hospital room, or a funeral home, or alone in your bed at night. We assume that the man in the story is a Jew, but it's not specifically indicated. And when I read this story, I think he's lying there, both eyes nearly swollen shut from the beating, watching as the paragons of his world avoid him and keep going. I wonder as he sees the Samaritan, his mortal enemy, coming toward him, if he doesn't think, well, he's coming to finish me off. I'm done for now. How surprised he must have been to realize that this man stopped and offered mercy. This Samaritan in our understanding, is the other, the alien, the object of fear, condescension, disgust, and judgment. Who would be the last person on earth you would ever expect or even want to help you in your time of need? much less to owe your life to. When we find ourselves in the ditch, and we all will if we haven't already, it won't matter how we think politically or how we function socially or what job we have. What will matter is who reaches out to us in compassion. Who is willing to get off the road and climb down into the ditch with us, ignoring those ridiculous barriers that exist between us? 
So look for a moment at the actions of the Samaritan in the story. He stops to help a stranger, offers wine and oil for healing, places the wounded man on his own beast, takes him to a safe haven, provides for his continued care, and promises to return and pay whatever cost remains. Now put Jesus in the place of the Samaritan. Constantly aware and moving among the outcast, the marginalized, the least, and the lost. Just as he poured wine and oil to heal the man's wounds, so he also poured out his sacramental blood that we might be made whole. As he placed the wounded person on his own beast, so he bears our pain and suffering. As he went the whole way on the journey to assure the wounded person received care, for us he went all the way to death on the cross. And finally, as he promised to return to make certain the wounded person was healed, he appears to us today through the power of his resurrection. In the final exchange between the lawyer and Jesus, the lawyer is forced to acknowledge who the real neighbor was, and he can't even bring himself to name him. All he can say is, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus tells the lawyer to go and do likewise. What does that mean? Not just to do random acts of goodwill, although there's nothing wrong with these, but to share the good news of Christ crucified and risen. Not just to strive for some moral uprightness, although there's nothing wrong with that either, but to share the miraculous, mysterious truth of healing redemption freely given for all of us here in the ditch. The roads we travel today are just as treacherous as the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. The dangers are real and the ditches are deep. As we go along our way, let us always, always look with compassion of Christ at those around us, whoever they may be, and reach out in love. As Greg said last week, they will know we are Christians by our love. And when we find ourselves as the ones in the ditch, let us be vulnerable enough to accept the gift of grace from other travelers on the road. Amen.